You can save every day by shopping at Whole Foods Market. Seriously, don't just go for the big sales. They have literally thousands of low-priced goods with their house brand, 365 by Whole Foods Market, while at happy prices, limited-time seasonal flavors, and all the quality you expect, like no high-fructose corn syrup or over 300 other ingredients banned from all the food they sell. There's so many ways to save at Whole Foods Market. Now you know. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Girl here. Hi, it's Mignon Fogarty, and today I have the second part of my visit to the North American Scrabble Championships. If you missed part one, it's Grammar Girl episode 477 from August 13th, so you can find it at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. But this week, the co-president of the North American Scrabble Players Association, NASPA, John Chu, is going to tell us how people win Scrabble tournaments when they don't even speak the language what some of the tricks are that Scrabble masters use to memorize words, how Scrabble is played differently in other countries, and why it would be extra cool to go to Thailand to play, what one thing you should focus on if you want to be a better player, and finally, how you can compete in the national championship. It's not as hard as you may think, but it requires a lot of mental focus. And now, on to all the fascinating things I learned at the Scrabble championships. There was a lot of buzz at the championships because a rock star player named Nigel Richards, an English speaker, had just won the French World Championship after studying the French word list for just a few months. But it's actually not a new thing for people to play Scrabble in foreign languages. Here's John Chu. But it's not the first time that anybody's done this. I, I believe a Frenchman has won the Spanish World Championship before, and more than one Thai player has has won the English language World Championship with very little uh, spoken fluency in English, but certainly the ability to memorize large numbers of words in a foreign language. It's interesting playing some Thai players because their approach to the English language is very different from uh, from native speakers, and there's something uh, something very alien about it because what he means is that foreign players need to study the English word list efficiently to optimize their mental effort. So they study the good Scrabble words, not everyday English words. So foreign players often don't know common English words like. Hitch, H-I-T-C-H. A word like hitch, for instance, to hitch your wagon to a star. No, no, no native speaker of English would ever challenge the word hitch or hitching or hitched in a, in, a, in a Scrabble game, but that would be the sort of word that a non-native player might easily challenge because you, if, you, if you're studying words systematically, you do so with some uh, the goal of optimizing the mental effort involved in studying the words. So you study the words that are going to be the most useful. The odds of actually playing the word hitch in a Scrabble game are are very, very low because there are only two H's in the, in the bag. You need to have both of them and, and one of the two C's and so on. So their, their, their type of play is, it tends to be a little bit, it's very, I don't know, 
it's very scrabbly is what it is because you get a lot of scrabble words and you, you don't get eight and nine letter words that are everyday words away from the scrabble board but are almost never seen on, uh, on the scrabble board so, so how do people study these word lists it's all about memorization so what are their memorization techniques Stefan Fatsis, you remember him from the Scrabble episode a few weeks ago. He's the guy who wrote the book Word Freak. He uses free training software put out by NASPA called Ziziva, but other players have devised their own methods. There's one former world champion named David Boys who came up with a system that he calls his buddy system for, for learning words. He takes each word and assigns it a buddy in the dictionary. And it's, it's a word that reminds him of the other word. And it's, it's like when you're in kindergarten, you're holding hands with your buddy when you're out on a field trip, you're far less likely to lose two kindergarten kids or two words from your vocabulary than you are to lose one. So I don't know if he still uses that, but I know he hasn't lost any of his three kids, so that, that's <laughs> probably something. Then there's uh, another, another champion named Joel Wapnick who has a page-based system. First, he John is going to mention alphagrams next. The word was coined by Joe Edley and Jim Homan, and it's when you take all the letters in a word and rearrange them so they're in alphabetical order. So the alphagram for the word car is A-C-R. You've rearranged the letters in car so they're in alphabetical order. A comes first, C comes second, and R comes third. Here's an example of a longer alphagram that contains seven common letters that can make nine different seven-letter words. A-E-I-R-N-S-T. And you can tell that John has definitely memorized them. A-E-I-N-R-S-T. That's Ansir and Estri, Nastir, Stainer, Stirin, Retinas, Retiner, Retains, Ratines, and Overseas, Resin and Starney. Back to Joel Wapnick's method for memorizing words. He doesn't use alphagrams, pure alphagrams. He takes all the vowels first and puts them at the beginning of the word, or the anagram, then all the consonants, sorts them separately alphabetically, which kind of helps you. I can see why he does it, because the you know, vowels and consonants are different in the way that they interact, and it's good to know right away how many vowels and consonants you have in a word. But so he takes all of the those possible uh, pseudo alphagrams in the English language, and he uh, he prints them out in alphabetical order, and uh, then he a certain number, I think like two hundred of them to a page, and then he just sits down and memorizes them page by page. So let's say you don't want to memorize 90,000 words. Let's say you've just memorized the two-letter words and the good Q words, and you want to get a little bit better. Here's John's advice. There's strategy to it, as well as word knowledge. And, and the most important aspect of strategy is to plan ahead. And even a, uh, even a casual player, if they've played enough, should develop some sense as to what's going to happen when they when they put a word on the board. Is their opponent going to be able to easily respond to that? Are they setting themselves up for a bigger play the, the next turn? And so I always tell people if they want to know how to increase their Scrabble scores, after you learn the basic tools of the, the lexicon, what you should really do is, instead of thinking, what's my highest scoring play, or worse, what is the prettiest word I can make with these tiles, you should think, what can I do now that will see me ahead by the most by, by the largest number of points after my next turn. Not the turn that I'm making, but think about the turn that you make right now and the tiles that you're going to keep and how your current turn contributes to your opponent's reply and how the tiles that you're keeping on your on your rack are going to affect your scoring opportunities on your next turn. And that's about as far as you need to look in most situations 
unless you're playing in the top division at the National Scrabble Championship. If you do that, you'll, you'll be able to get ahead of your friends. <laughs> because we'd been talking about Nigel Richards winning the French Scrabble tournament, it came up that Scrabble is played completely differently in France, which was a big surprise to me. I thought it would be the same everywhere, but cultural differences come into play. But when French people play Scrabble, they play a very different version of the game, in addition to it being in French. But they, uh, they also play what they call duplicate Scrabble, which I usually describe to my competitive Scrabble playing friends as being closer to bingo than Scrabble. One aspect of the game of Scrabble that people have agonized over ever since the game was invented was the, the tension between skill and luck in the game. And I think it's just where it needs to be. It's, it's a sort of game where the more you study, the luckier you get. And someone who is skilled can beat a less skilled opponent most of the time, but not all the time. So that gives the, the, the weaker opponent a chance to play, a reason to play. The French, on the other hand, for the most part in competitive play, like to decide that they didn't like the aspect of luck. They wanted to make it a purely skill-based game. And the way they did that was their duplicate game is basically everybody playing the same game of solitaire Scrabble with one person, like a, like a bingo master, drawing out tiles and announcing to everybody which tiles they were going to use. And everybody has a few minutes to find the best play they can make, and they score their own plays. Uh, but then the, everybody's board gets updated with the play that the director in, instructs, which is usually the highest scoring play. It's a very unforgiving game for people who don't have perfect word knowledge or perfect board vision. And most English language players find it tedious after trying it once because what they really like is the head-to-head competition and then the camaraderie that comes from that. Another interesting difference is how challenges are handled by British and American players. It's different. There are cultural differences, though, that, for instance, historically led to the British uh, having a different rule for challenges than the Americans did. The British said, if you make a word and it's no good, then and your opponent catches you, it comes off the board. If your opponent thinks a word that you made is no good, they can check and at no penalty because it wouldn't be right, it wouldn't be fair for you to try and bluff your opponent into getting away with a word that was no good, whereas for the Americans, or you know, bluffing and poker is their lifeblood, they think, no, no, it's the, 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 there should be what we call a double challenge rule. When you make a challenge at American Scrabble, one player is going to end up losing their turn, either the challenger or the challengee. And if you think those differences are interesting, you'll love this. Scrabble is a big deal in Thailand. It's taught in all the schools, and the king backs a royal Scrabble tournament every year. When I mentioned Thailand to people I met at the championships, their eyes lit up, and everyone I talked to hoped to make it there someday if they hadn't already. In fact, everybody who has any interest in Scrabble or actually pomp and pageantry, too, uh, should, should come to Thailand for the King's Cup tournament in, in July each year. But in Thailand, Scrabble is part of the school system. It's taught as an activity, as a, as a way of, of studying English from, the kin, from, I think, the kindergarten level all the way up to, uh, to the college level. And it's got major corporate sponsorship. And, you know, the Ministry of Education recognizes it as a, as a worthwhile course of study. And all of the top competitions have royal patronage. Well, the King's Cup is named because the king donated a trophy and, and, uh, and a prize fund to go with it. So it's, uh, it's a big deal there. So when I go to Thailand for the King's Cup tournament and they get 10,000 people playing under one roof, 
of those 10,000 people, about 100 of them are adults playing uh, at an elite level, and the rest of them are kids, and, you know, they're, they're up to about high school age. And it's a good, good balance because the kids are all excited to be competing at the same activity that they see world champions competing at, and they'll run up to you and ask you for your autograph. And, and at the same time, it, it keeps the adult players on their good behavior, and they realize, you know, that, that these kids are the future of things. And that's you know, that's the way any sort of long-term, sustainable, healthy, competitive activity has to be. Okay, so while I'm dreaming of going to the King's Cup someday, the North American Championship seems a little more within reach. I had thought it would be hard to make it there, but they actually have different categories, so you don't have to be the best in the world to play. It's actually relatively easy to come here. The only thing that we insist is that you can't play in the national championship as your first tournament. You have to have had at least one tournament experience before, and that's for two reasons. One is we need to know how strong you are so that we know which uh, rating division to put you in. And the other reason is that playing Scrabble for seven hours a day for five days is a more strenuous experience than most people, than everybody thinks the first time that they do it. If you think about sitting in a college exam for something and you think maybe a long exam might run for three hours we're playing for four solid hours in the morning three solid hours in the afternoon and so it's like doing a four-hour exam and a three-hour exam morning and afternoon five days straight and this is by no means a really intensive tournament there are tournaments where they schedule ten games a day for five six seven days and the reason for doing so is, of course, that it also helps to separate the, the, the weak from the strong. It's, it's really hard to maintain peak mental focus after 10 hours of play. I hope I've inspired some of you to try to up your game or even compete. And I hope you liked these special episodes. But if not, we're going back to our regular format next week. So thanks for sticking with me. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl, and you can find transcripts to every podcast and those of every other Quick and Dirty Tips podcaster at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all. Thanks for listening. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.